everyone welcome back to the podcast we are in the final week of october and heading very quickly into november which brings us to the celebration and honoring of dia de los muertos and i'm so grateful to return to this tradition and this practice with you all and if you are hearing this before Sunday, um, this is a reminder that if you would like to bring um, photos or small objects in to honor any loved ones that um, have passed and you want to uh, bring into our collective space on Sunday, please do. Um, we're excited to share space and simultaneously celebration um, together. We have some birthdays and you know, we really get to do all of it, right? Honoring death, celebrating life, um, and just kind of being together. So our hope is that you can join us on Sunday, um, but if you are listening maybe from afar, know that you still are with us and in our hearts as well. So not going to necessarily stick to our typical lectionary passage, so much as just talk about our journeys as story catchers and grief sojourners together. Um, it is interesting, though, that within the lectionary, this week just so happens to be uh, the Deuteronomy text of Moses's death. And it, it says a whole bunch of stuff, but particularly a couple verses. Um, it says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. He was buried in a valley opposite Bethpor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died, his sight unpaired, his vigor not abated. And the Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, and the period of mourning for Moses was ended. So... In my humble opinion, from my stance as, you know, chaplain, pastor, and all these things that you all know, um, it is so much more complicated, beautiful, messy, and all the things in between to remember and to grieve and to honor the ones that we have loved and the ones who are no longer here. You know, the world doesn't currently stop for us to remember. We have to make time. We still have to deal with a whole number of responsibilities, uh, even more so when someone that we love has passed. And, you know, I think this, this draws attention to kind of the distance in our society between where we are, especially um, in our American context, and I think the the hope, right? Um, we'll sing a song on Sunday. We come back to it quite often called uh, Sing a New World into Being. And one of the lines is, Compassion flows like waters, pouring balm for all who grieve. And if we're really being honest with ourselves, very rarely do our the typical responses feel like compassion and feel like a balm. And we can be incredibly grateful um, for the moments that do. But again, if you are coming into this space and maybe have a level of complicated grief, right? Because 
it's not always such a straightforward line. Either, you know, we had complicated relationships uh, with that person to begin with, or the timing um, still feels unfair of losing them, or, you know, there's so many different levels of things that either feel still unresolved or um, not right in, in these moments of losing the ones that we've loved. So we want to create space for this. Um, while simultaneously allowing our process of grieving to to run parallel with the rest of our lives. Um, it doesn't have to always break up our day, but also sometimes it needs to. Just like as we practice in our meditation time, when thoughts come, we have to let them have their space um, to give ourselves permission to feel whatever emotions come with them. And let them continue to float through if that is what you need. Um, We also have to feel safe in order to grieve. When we're in fight or flight mode, our nervous system tries to override any kind of vulnerability. It's trying to protect you in case of attack. And sometimes we have to look from the outside and notice if we haven't given ourselves that time or permission to slow down and remember. If we don't do this, if we don't slow down, if we don't draw attention and space for it, our bodies don't have that chance to grieve properly, right? Sometimes in that space, we hit a breaking point. But also what a beautiful experience to set up this place, to hold a container together, to remember and to grieve. Our hope is that by creating space in this community that it does feel like a bomb, right? That we have permission to share stories. Again, if that's where we are, for some people, talking about our loved ones is extremely cathartic. We want to to keep them as part of our lives. We don't want to feel like we've moved past because we can't, right? We never move past someone that we've loved and lost. Um, but for other people, that can be particularly painful, especially if there are things that feel unresolved or perhaps it wasn't all a good relationship, but you still want to hold space and honor them for um, whatever role they did play in your life. All of that is okay. All of that is normal, right? We also know that grief is not linear. It is not one straight line from an extreme reaction, right? When everything first happens to then just slowly dissipating over the course of our lives. It is so much more of a roller coaster. It is so much more (laughs) unpredictable of what might bring a particular memory to the surface, what might activate um, some of, of the emotions in your body's physical responses to still holding that grief. We're allowed um, to remember, right? to recreate a new relationship, not just with our grief, right, but the person themselves too, because they do still hold a space um, and a place in in your life, whether that's in memory um, or the motivation you have moving forward. Even in this Deuteronomy text, Moses played such um, an important role, and God shows him the land that he will never get to see, um, but he was able to get his people to. 
And so we know that, um, you know, even in the Jewish tradition, we say, may, may this person's memory be a blessing. It says that the period of mourning ends, but it doesn't really, maybe in official terms. Um, but we know that we are never quite separate, but perhaps instead our lives kind of grow around our grief. Um, and so it does not necessarily hold or take up quite as much space as it once did, but it will always be with you. At some point, this might feel overwhelming, um, but in other terms, it might be comforting to know that you don't have to rush past. In fact, you can't. Um, you don't have to get over someone or get over the feeling of not having this person in your life anymore. I think there's so much beauty, again, in coming back to this tradition every year, um, to come back to a way of restoring our grief. Um, and this is important whether you had a fantastic relationship with the person you've lost or not so much. You might have been in crisis mode during their passing, but hopefully at this time, you've able to, been able to give yourself time to think and develop a new relationship with your loved one and with your grief. The way I see this is, you know, sometimes talking about that person only could come with tears, but then there might be a moment of breakthrough of you can still hold space for that grief, but you also might be able to laugh um, with memories and hold them in your heart in a different way. Uh, that all these things can be true at the same time. And that's why it's important to keep telling stories. That's why it's important to keep checking in with each other um, months, years even, after someone's passing. Because we know, again, it doesn't go away. Um, and I think this can be a very high form of love, right, that we can remember with someone. And I think this helps release each other from the burden, especially as a bereaved person, of, you know, the pressure of feeling like, well, if I bring, if I bring my loved one up over and over again, what will other people think of me? Or if I just burst into tears, you know, in a moment where it doesn't seem necessary, you know, what, what will that mean for me in terms of my interactions with people who are still around? It happens everywhere and all the time. This is just another reminder. If we never fully know what other people are going through. Um, and when it comes to grief, often presence is so much more important than having the right words to say, especially in kind of the right afters, and especially for each of the firsts. If you've lost someone uh, close to you in your life, you kind of know what I mean by, by those phrases. Um, and not to sound too much like a, a grief 101 podcast and what not to say or what to say. Um, you know, I think often we get stuck, right? I, again, I see this a lot, where we feel like we need to fill in gaps because I, in my opinion, feeling helpless, right, especially in the space of loss and grief, is one of the hardest emotions to deal with. We just don't know what to do and we want to be able to make it better. I think the only way that we make it better, um, whether it's in a space like celebrating Dia de los Muertos 
or when you're kind of coming alongside someone who is lost and you're really close and dear to them is that just asking them you know letting them lead asking specific questions you know that allows them to talk about that person if they want to right but also not forcing it and not having to spiritualize uh, their experience either if that's not where they're at um, when I first started as a chaplain they gave us an actual physical list of what not to say and common phrases that we might come across um, when working with families who again they're just doing their best to deal with the feeling of being helpless and not knowing what to do especially if it's their first time losing someone close to them and you would be surprised at how or maybe not if you have gone through this yourself You'd be surprised at how many phrases there are that can, again, cause a lot of extra pain. But again, we know that it's okay if we don't get it all right. We don't have to be perfect. I think the, the goal of being a story catcher and a grief sojourner, like I mentioned at the beginning, is that we hold space for each other's stories. We continue to remember the stories of those who have passed on. We sojourn through normal day-to-day -day life, but are also forever changed by the experience of loss. And so we get to hold all of these things together. And we hope to hold it for each other in the space of the service and in our, our remembrance together. So our hope on Sunday is that we can do um, all of these things. And I'm going to close with a uh, prayer from uh, a rabbi who I was introduced to during my, my chaplain residency, and I've used it a couple of times to honor people um, who, who've lost, particularly at the hospital or their staff. And my hope is that these words can meet you if you are in the space of kind of grieving someone you've lost, whether it is this year or 20 years ago, uh, or even beyond that, right? Grief has no timeline. And it's also a reminder for ourselves that we too meet our mortality in this space and are reminded of it. And not only from dust, we turn to dust we shall return, but from love we turn and to love we return. And we hope this brings a bit of peace a lot of a chaotic world. Momentarily distinct with our own bodies and our own consciousness, we're blessed to risk love, to parent new life, to create and innovate, to strive and to rest, and then finally to return to you. Knowing that the tasks are never completed the relationships never centered. The twists life takes often surprise me. At last, we rest in you as we once rested in our parents' arms so long ago. Oneness from whom we emerge victorious. We know that all life goes back to you. Once more united after struggles, bruises, and delights, challenges, and aspirations, our love, our prayers, and our strength, 
For it all. Thanks, praise, peace. Amen.